This is Recovery Machine News. All right, the next thing we're going to discuss is a piece that you found, Corey, and it's interesting for a couple of reasons, but I'll give you kind of a rundown of what we're talking about here. It's uh, a course that's uh, been developed by, I believe he's a psychologist. Yeah. So it's uh, Introduction to Trauma-Exposed Professionals, a new course on how to provide better care to traumatized frontline personnel like military veterans, firefighters, and paramedics who are at higher risk than the general population of developing post-traumatic stress disorder and other mental illnesses, which is true. It's the work of an education, uh, educational nonprofit called Wounded Warriors Canada and the Atlas Institute for Veterans and Families. So it's uh, Dr. Scott Maxwell is the guy who's put this course together. And it's, uh, he's designed it so that the idea is healthcare professionals, such as nurses, maybe well, I, occupational therapists will be a big one, are going to... It's designed so that they can take this course, and then if they're working with people who, uh, it could be a veteran from a war or uh, anybody, I think anybody who qualifies as a first responder. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if they're assuming like they didn't say anything about nurses per se, but I would they consider like somebody working in trauma or acute care for a first responder or the- nurses historically always get left out of the first responder discussion, but I, to me, they are. Okay. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I I did dig up some stats to talk about that uh, Mm -hmm. later, but so basically this is the, the program that uh, has been put together. I went and I looked at it, what I could access without paying. Uh, It looks to be like a 12 to 15 part kind of online course type of thing. You can get it free if you're, if you're working with military personnel or you could pay $200 and, and go through and, and take the course. So I guess the idea is to, uh, like, for example, here, topics include how workplace culture can discourage workers from speaking about their mental health problems. I mean, you could, you could see that uh, the RCMP is notorious for holding on to whatever, like the, they don't, want to talk about PTSD there. They generally try to, you know, remain stoic until it's too late, that kind of thing. Uh, but if you look at nurses, this is also an issue as well, right? Because you're supposed to be, nurses are kind of, they're supposed to be tough. They're supposed to be able to handle endless amounts of trauma and, and keep going. That's kind of the idea. Yeah. And then it goes on to talk about how they're going to teach their patients uh, better ways of regulating their own emotions and how to infuse structure and predictability in each patient's plan, which is great. But I just thought it was kind of bizarre how you how they could talk about this without mentioning nurses. But I think this gentleman's I mean, he's he's part of this wounded warriors thing, and this is kind of what he does. So he might not might not be aware of 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 the stats, which are, are interesting because. For post-traumatic stress disorder, it's like 48 and 48%. So if you go to war and come back, 48% of people have some kind of PTSD uh, symptoms and 48% of nurses working in acute care. So it's basically the same. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still learning about PTSD. It's very complicated. Very, very complicated. And I'm just trying to get a cursory kind of understanding of of how that, uh, how trauma affects the brain. But 
Yeah, so it's an interesting program. If you go on uh, the Wounded Warriors website, you can take a look at what they're doing there. And then if you do have anybody who who you feel might be interested in it, uh, I would encourage you to take a look. And if you do, if anybody who listens actually purchase a cor- purchases a course or has taken the course, we'd love to hear from you. I'd like to know, um, you know, how how thorough it is. If it's uh, if it's based on uh, data strictly from military personnel, or if it's kind of a um, if it's got other factors involved. So let us know if if that's something that you've run across. I think it only became available a little while ago, maybe May, sometime this year. Anyway. Yeah, but there's quite a lot of buy-in. It sounds like it sounds like there's. Uh, Great, great numbers of of organizations and groups that are signing up for it, which is awesome. And I I personally don't have any any criticism of the of the program at all. I'm I'm intrigued by it. What it brings up for me though is in in light of our recent conversations about what you know in in our what ifs. What if employers had to really fully recognize the mental health of their staff? And now we think about us and the people that we know and the people who have been through the the machine and the system and and even those who haven't who are just toughing it out with with struggling with their mental health on a on a daily basis there's a resistance or a hesitancy from the employer to to accept that the environment and the the workplace is a has a has a detrimental effect on our mental health and worse and can lead to to trauma and can lead to anxiety and depression and can be a, a factor leading towards addiction. So what I would love to know is, is if health authorities and health employers are taking these courses, are administrators taking the courses? Are managers taking the courses? Or is it just the, the people that are working with other people who are you know, working with patients, say, who are taking the courses? Because to me, the organizations from the very, very top should be educating themselves about what the effect of trauma is on their staff. And again, if we fully accept the effect of trauma on, on the healthcare system within itself, we have to, we will have to restructure the whole damn thing. I think. Well, yeah. I mean, there's, I, I was looking around because I, I just thought, well, Okay, I, I know a few of the resources that nurses have. You know, their resources are usually online, or you phone somebody and uh, you get a limited amount of kind of support. Most of them are more, you know, there's not a lot of substance to them. I looked at this Wayfound Mental Health Program, which is, uh, I think it's a government grant authorized program, which is, I'm, I'm hoping. Well, it's, they've, they've opened it up for free right now, but I don't know how long this has been in existence because the goal with this one is it's called before operational stress. So there, it looks like there is some third party here who's trying to get information into younger nurses, uh, physicians, carites, uh, first responders, anybody who's going to be front lines for trauma. They want them to understand the, the significance of trauma, be able to better recognize what's going on early to try and catch it and get yourself out of there before you, you have bigger problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, <laughs> when you, when you look at what, what the numbers say, as far as our, our current, I, I looked at a study here, this is 
pre-COVID, so just before 2019, most of the uh, the participants in this study, and I believe it was 12% of all the nurses in BC, were polled. Uh, I think there's what uh, 48,000 nurses in that are unionized in BC. And so they looked at basic uh, mental health, uh, you know, like as if they were checking off boxes on the DSM-5 type of thing to see where they would, where most nurses would land. And it, it, I, was, I was pretty shocked. <laughs> it uh, nearly one third of all the nurses were in uh, at least a, like a moderate level depression situation. And, you know, that's, that's the average. Same with anxiety. It was enough anxiety so that it was affecting their life at home, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what really shocked me was the, the 48% had significant PTSD symptoms, as in they would check off enough boxes in the DSM-5 to be diagnosed. Yeah, That's, that's half our entire nursing workforce pre-pandemic. Yeah, before it got, you know, just exponentially worse. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was luxury times in 2019 (laughs) comparison to what we got going on now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And at that point they were, uh, they have some parameters that they're using for, to determine burnout, but according to their metrics, one third of our nursing workforce was burnt out in 2019. This is taken into account nurses who are fresh out of school all the way up to nurses who are ready to retire type of thing. So, I mean, I just don't understand why this isn't more of a, like, this is a big problem if we want to continue to have a healthcare system that works. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. What more, you know, how much more can nurses take before the system just, uh, I mean, how how few nurses can run our existing uh, infrastructure? That's right. And exactly, Nathan. And, And there seems to be this mentality where, an employer can say, well, we, we offered you this, or we educated you on this. And then they are able to absolve themselves of any responsibility. I, I think the education is great, but again, like the, the decriminalization in our province, this too is, is sort of a half measure in that if it's not accompanied by a change in, in, in staffing levels and, and safe staffing in some some more hands-on mental health resources in changing sick time and benefits to allow for, for mental health to be in the conversation and for when traumatic incidents happen and staff experience trauma at work that, that, you know, they, they don't just do a debrief that day and then say, okay, well, we, we did our part. Now it's on the the staff member. Mm -hmm. So there, there has to be some actual concrete change to the to the environment to accompany this it's a great step but they are potentially opening uh pandora's box even further by enlightening everyone on how detrimental trauma is to our mental health yeah i i mean i had no idea uh once i you know i'm seeing the the studies where they're they're actually looking at uh, functional MRIs of patients who have trauma in certain areas and, and what it does to the, it actually changes the structure of your brain. And in much the same way as somebody who's, you know, suffered a concussion 
would, right? So it kind of begs the question, at what point where will our understanding of this condition uh, start to generate legal concerns as far as, you know, you could see young nurses today being working in this kind of, these kind of conditions with our current understanding. And then 10 years from now, when their mental health is, you know, their life is, their quality of life is ruined because they can't leave their house or whatever it is. They, and we have all this data, you know, what are you looking at? Uh, class action lawsuits, you know, where does this, at, at what point does there, uh, is there a reckoning for this kind of knowing, but not doing. Right. And, and, and I am the best living example I know of how little the system has at least up, you know, maybe this is a turning point, mm-hmm. but up until the point where I walked away from my job, how little of a shit they gave about mental health. I had a diagnosis in the family of PTSD confirmed by a psychologist that was written to show the link between this diagnosis of an attachment disorder with self-medicating and self, you know, coping coping with the symptoms of depression and anxiety while at work by using an opioid. Yeah. And the employer said, well, that doesn't matter. <laughs> we, well, we don't, you know, it's going to like, I mean, eventually the, de- I would say if you, if you really look at the existing data already, it's clear enough that you would have a strong case. Uh, if you were somebody who worked under like in the conditions that you worked, for uh, a period of time and come out of there with uh, like, we've got a couple of people in, uh, in obsidian who yeah. are in really rough shape right now. Like they're not yeah. sure what their life is going to look like moving forward. Now, I don't know how you compensate somebody who's got that kind of a situation going on, but right now what we're doing is we're, we're basically punishing those people, you know? Yeah. And, and I, <laughs> I understand that antiquated way of thinking, but, when you see the link and how clear it is between the workplace environment, the level of danger, the continued exposure to horrific events, what happens to the brain, and then what that leaves you with for options as an individual to continue. Yeah. There's, you either collapse, you leave the scene, or you take drugs. For many people, that depending on the way you're set up, that's going to be your only options. That's right. So... Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's a it's a really interesting. Like I said, I don't know nearly enough about uh, the way PTSD uh, affects the brain, but from what I've seen, it's it's significant. It's real. It's a it, it's a structural change, not just a psychological change. Yeah, there's actual biological activities that are no longer functioning in certain areas of the brain. So yeah, I I can't find an answer for why. We, why we as a society, we, we cherish our, our free healthcare system, which is just, I mean, it's teetering now. Like it's, yeah, the, the foundations are rocking back and forth, right. And the storm is brewing. It's like, this is uh, the opportunities that were in the past for preventative uh, cheaper measures to prevent stuff from happening like this are long gone. So I, I'm really curious as to, 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 to know what the plan is. Is there a plan? You know, is there some, what did they expect to happen? I wonder. I'm really curious about that too. 
because it's not sustainable and it is it is more than teetering you know there are bricks that are falling off of the building because people are leaving and people are walking away and this and those people that walk away aren't being replaced with another person because there is no one mm-hmm. um you know a minute ago i said just to clarify i said attachment disorder the the adjustment disorder is the correct term that, that falls into the ptsd family the other the, the other part I think is is that I have really learned the value of sharing and storytelling and and getting that stuff out. And there's this culture of of don't talk about it. Certainly within the within the military, there's that culture. And sure. I would say equally within healthcare, that you know, um, they, they they allow you to debrief and they allow you to kind of in a limited way talk with your with your colleagues, but the nurses who have walked away or the nurses who are really struggling, I think those are valuable, valuable things for people to know. And, and it, there's value for the person to, to share it and to be heard. And I, that's something I hope to see happen more within the, within that field. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have seen some positive steps away from that, but yeah, there's like a, I think the RCMP as a, uh, you know, as a collective organization would be a great example of, of one yeah. that, is still really mired in that tough guy uh, stoicism kind of doesn't matter what you see, just fucking go home, have a beer, shake it off and come back. And there's, there are going to be individuals out there who are very good at that. We know that for whatever reason, they just, they can withstand a lot of uh, crazy events and, and their mind is resilient to that, uh, mm-hmm. to that trauma. But I imagine there's a lot of people out there who wish that they could, reach out or wish that there were supports in place so they could, you know, kind of get their balance again, or maybe, maybe get a couple of weeks off to get their head screwed on straight. But right now, uh, if you're in the medical field, I mean, doctors can barely take time off. <laughs> they're having, to, they're either return in BC. Anyway, they're either retiring, you know, or they're uh, leaving the province. That's how they're getting time off uh, for GPs. Anyways, that seems to be what's going on. That's right. And and for the nurses who work a rotating schedule and they may, they might have four or five days off in a row based on their, on their schedule. I would love to hear from, from nurses about how many times in that four or five days off, they are contacted by their employer to, to come in for an extra shift. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be into well into double digits, high, high numbers of calls per day. And a lot of pressure to, to come in and not take that time that you need to kind of restore yourself. It took me a long time to understand the significance of that when I was younger. And if I was, you know, if I was managing a store or whatever, and a call would come in and just pick it up, I had, uh, everybody had my number. I was basically, if I wasn't working, I was still working, you know, and I thought, yeah. Oh, this is kind of cool. I'm helping lots of people, blah, blah, blah. And then years passed and I realized <laughs> it actually, every time I'm interrupted, like I have my, uh, my kind of, when I get home from the pharmacy, I have usually around 45 minutes where I just turn the phone off and I, I don't, I, I don't talk to anybody. I just, you know, maybe I'll pet my dog. I'm just in the apartment, kind of allow my mind to drift, just zone out. And that's my kind of recuperation. So I don't, have that. Uh, I try to calm my heart rate down, get that anxiety, just level everything out. But if a call comes in during that time and I forgot to turn off my phone or whatever, everything that I've just done is erased. Mm-hmm. So 
you when you you realize that if you're being called on your days off, those aren't days off at all. They're not. I totally agree with you. Yeah, I whether totally you agree can, with you. Whether you can say I'm not coming into work, it, even the fact that they called and you know that they want you to come in, if you're uh, the type of uh, you know you're a conscientious worker, it digs at you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It does. It doesn't, yeah. and your it it changes the way your 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 brain activity is going at that time, yeah. um, and this is why like why ba- boundary setting is is universally a part of recovery programs, yeah. And recovery education is boundary setting, and it is a in this particular field is is wrought with people who who, who really struggle to set boundaries against yeah. a pretty big regardless of the employer or what branch of healthcare they're in it's really really tough because oh my god it it yeah, just I, keeps coming i know the nurses were like jesus himself would have been like you know what i've had enough for the day uh you know that's enough uh, wash and feed or whatever i, I gotta take care of myself at, at some point yeah. right but these nurses would keep going like that's a, they're just they're so designed to um to just help people that it it makes I think it's one of the, it's probably one of the things that's most articulated the boundary situation and least understood and least utilized because the importance of it is that you'll never get to a point where you're actually taking care of yourself first without setting up some kind of defense, especially if you're a healthcare professional that people are trying to contact on a regular basis. That's right. You know, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, but it's so weird, man. I, why does this stuff take so long to learn? Like, I suppose a wise, maybe that's one of the reasons why I respect your, the way you've, you've dealt with this so much, because you, you seem to see the situation, you respond to it rationally and change course. That's wisdom. Is it not for <laughs> myself? I, I have to get hit over the head with a, just a, a wheelbarrow full of nonsense before I'm like, okay, I guess I'll do it differently. And I don't know why that is. My dad says I'm. Uh, I like to learn things the hardest way possible, but <laughs> that, that has been said about me as well. For, to be clear, <laughs> and, and you know, pre going off work, pre addiction and and active addiction, that was very much the case. You know, was learning things the hard way and, and boundary setting was a problem, and all of what you just said for sure. Mm. So these are recent improvements in your. Yeah, you're you're seeing you're seeing recent improvements. <laughs> I, I would say.